Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelec. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I'm Eva Medelec, and my guest today is Dr. Cindy Sai. Now, Dr. Cindy is a board-certified physician, a best-selling author, a mindfulness teacher, speaker, and life coach who is committed to helping high achievers live their best lives with ease. As a physician, she saw the impacts of chronic stress on the body and wanted to do more than just prescribe medications as a Band-Aid. So she aims to provide a radical path to healing and translated her professional knowledge into a powerful blueprint with the inspiring success story method to help people step on their comfort zones and dare to achieve their dreams. Now, Cindy's book, So Much Better, is a book for people who want to start changing the narrative of their lives and thought patterns that they know are unhealthy but can't seem to stop. So I'm really excited for today because breaking habits and patterns is hard, especially when they've been ingrained in us from our earlier life experience. So welcome to the show today, Cindy. So happy to have you. Thank you so much, Eva. I'm excited to be here. So let our listeners know a little bit about you. Like, who is Dr. Cindy Sai? Yes. So I call myself a recovering perfectionist. And I love to travel. I play golf. I like to do Pilates. I'm very health conscious and have always been ever since I was young, I would be drinking water instead of juice, even as a kid. And that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Not many kids want mommy can have a glass of water unless they're really dying of thirst. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just I love learning and growing. And I really am so excited to be able to share my experiences and to support and help others on this journey to wellness. Well, that is so um, needed in this world. I mean, when you said you were a recovering perfectionist, I was thinking there really needs to be some kind of 12-step program or group or something where we we get a badge because I would be probably a founding member of that group as well. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about the type of problems that you solve in the work that you do now. Sure. So... For me, I was, I worked very hard for many years to become a physician. I was working as a primary care physician for many years. And I, as a physician and also as a patient myself, I saw and experienced the impact of chronic stress on the body. And I wanted to do more than prescribe medications as a band-aid. And through my own healing journey, I learned and trained in many different therapeutic modalities that I teach and use to help clients move past overworking, overthinking, and overdoing so that they can feel so much better. And so my business is a life coaching practice that really takes this integrative mind, body, spirit approach to wellness. And I like to combine the art and the science of healing. And I like to say that everyone's different. So the things you need are different. And so I like to really share a lot of different resources, tools, and techniques. And so that people can 
figure out what works for them and build their own toolbox and feel really empowered and be able to advocate for themselves. You know, I had to smile when you said overthinking, because it isn't it hard for those of us who are either recovering perfectionists or recovering overachievers, if you will, kind of turn the mind off. Even if we stop the body and try to set that intention to slow the body down, the mind is still going. So you talked a little bit about your help with the symptoms of chronic stress on the body. What are some of the symptoms of chronic stress on the body? Yes, there are so many. And I think a lot of times people uh, don't take the time to even pause and think about what does stress feel like in my body? So I talk a lot about the mind-body connection because the mind and body are not separate, even though we often think that they are. So in terms of chronic stress, you may notice symptoms like pain, nausea, irritability, poor sleep, anxiety. I mean, all of these things, it's variable depending on the person because each of us experiences stress a little bit differently. But a lot of times, you know, it's important to recognize that there are these symptoms that come up in the body that can really clue us into our stress levels that oftentimes is related to the overthinking, the anxiety, and all these other things that are going on in our busy lives. What are the, what are some of the common ones that people come to you with, like um, that you see maybe more than others when people come to you for help with, um, because I know, let me put it this way. You know, we have pain in our body. We have, you know, maybe experiencing some nausea. Immediately we think something is wrong. We have a disease, an illness, or something that needs to be diagnosed. So I guess what I'm trying to get at, how do we differentiate what is caused by stress as opposed to some other viral, bacterial, or other disorder that um, maybe is not stress-related? Like, how do you determine that? That's a really great question. And I think it really comes down to knowing your body, really being able to listen to your body. For me, when I got sick, I had an autoimmune condition impacting my eyes that could have led to full blindness. And I just woke up not being able to see (laughs) to go from healthy to sick overnight was a total wake up call. And so I think for me, I I decided, you know, I gave myself permission to slow down and really learn how to listen to the body. And so this means, right, when you're feeling something, really taking a moment and asking yourself, what does my body need right now? And listen, see what comes up and experiment to see what feels most energizing to you. And I think it really is a, it's important to take a team approach. I think it's important to have a provider, physician, professional, health professional who you trust, who you really know. And so that you have that as a resource, right? Like if you're not feeling well, it's probably good to get a checkup, especially if you haven't had one in years or, you know, haven't gotten lab tests and things like that, right? Um, of course, you know, a lot of things 
you always want to rule out possible medical conditions that could mimic anxiety, right? Maybe a thyroid issue or a skipped heartbeat. But just knowing that, you know, once you're able to rule those things out, also looking at what's going on in your life right now. What is your lifestyle like? Are you drinking three cups of coffee to stay alert? Or, you know, all that caffeine is kind of piling up in your system. You know, maybe you're not getting enough sleep, all these things. And so I think it's a process and everyone, everyone's journey is different, but I think it is helpful to have a team of practitioners who you trust, who really listen, who want to really look at the root cause and not just putting a bandaid on a symptom and, and, you know, kind of continuing as if everything is, is fine. And you mentioned coffee a bit. Coffee, from what I know about it, can be incredibly dehydrating as well. How much of some of the symptoms that we may be experiencing, <laughs> I find, are related to us not getting enough water as a kid who drank water all the time? <laughs> You know, simple dehydration, simply keeping our bodies hydrated throughout the day. I think that's a really important um, distinction and to really be aware of this idea of, you know, importance of hydration, because a lot of times, I mean, our body is made up of like 70% water, right? And so we really, we lose water in many ways. And even if you're not full on sweating, right, going to an intense exercise class or running or whatever, I'm glad you're drinking some water right now. Always, Stay hydrated. Always. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is that sometimes we're actually thirsty, but we think we don't pay attention and we think we're hungry. Exactly. Exactly. Every and, time I thought I was hungry, I really just needed to drink water. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting because in terms of people who want to look at their weight, you know, and like weight loss, weight management, and how it's really important to practice mindful eating, being present and aware of like what your body needs, right? What's nourishing all the things. It's also helpful to check in to see, am I actually hungry or am I thirsty? And so I'm oh, really the other hungry. one is, or am I bored? <laughs> of course. What am I trying to escape <laughs> and avoid? <laughs> Always. I'm bored. I think I'll have a piece of chocolate. You know, um, one of the things that I help my clients with um, to re-energize themselves through the day is mindful eating, probably not at the level that you as a trained physician would be, but a lot of times we eat in response to being hungry and we don't eat for um, performance or for energy. And by the time we're hungry, we're usually hangry by that time. And that affects literally how we show up, our personality, our interactions, our energy wise, but if we were to be more mindful and strategic about eating for energy that increases our performance throughout the day, we would feel better throughout the day. We wouldn't be, you know, hungry makes you stressful and whether it's hunger or dehydration or whatever it is we're experiencing, a lot of times we're in that 
reactive mode. We're not being proactive about it. So we don't get hungry. We don't get thirsty. We don't get cranky. We don't get hangry, right? And so being mindful about, you know, how and when and what we eat and what we put in our bodies is something that's really important to, you know, be a high performer and not just a high achiever. So yeah, how did you get, get, an, get your expertise in, in solving these problems? Because my experience with a lot of Western um, medicine is they do treat a lot of symptoms before going to cause. <laughs> this is true. I think that, um, you know, that's, I was really excited when I found out about the field of integrative medicine which is really, you know, some of you may be familiar with integrated medicine, but it's a field of medicine that incorporates many modalities on this path to wellness. And for example, I'm, I'm simplifying this, but for example, there's Western medicine, which includes pharmaceuticals, surgical procedures primarily, but then there's also Eastern medicine with Chinese medicine, using acupuncture needles to help stimulate various organ systems to support the body. There's Ayurvedic medicine, medical system from India with herbs, lifestyle changes, all the things and all these other mind-body practices. And so I think that it is a process of discovery for me. I think it was when I got sick, it really prompted me to slow down and see what else was out there because I was, I started medications right away to help stabilize and, and treat the condition. But I also, since I had a rare condition, there wasn't a lot of scientific research or data available to review. And so I knew that I needed to explore all the possibilities if I wanted to get better and not have to take medications for the rest of my life. And it's not that I'm against band-aids, medications, Western medicine, because there absolutely is a time and place and benefit to it. Um, but I think it's also about, you know, just figuring out what works for you, right? Like there are medications that are helpful. And then you can also incorporate other modalities to expedite recovery and promote health. And so it's really about knowing your body, learning to advocate for yourself and really seeing that there are so many options available for you to feel so much better. So are you healed now from your autoimmune disease and response? Yes. I'm grateful to share that after um, several years and incorporating all these different modalities, my eyes have healed and I'm no longer taking those medications, but wow. what works for me is not necessarily what will work for you, right? Cause we're all different, you know, and, and we're all unique but with our own individual blueprints. But I think it's really helpful to know that a lot of times we may get, we may receive a diagnosis and it becomes a part of our identity. And I see it a lot as a physician, you know, for example, someone's like, I'm a diabetic, I'm a cancer survivor, <laughs> all of these things. And, and, you know, you can see how there are certain beliefs and assumptions that come with these identities that may or may not be helpful. 
So, yeah, so the mind plays a very strong part in helping us heal because what you focus on grows. And if you focus on what's not working, <laughs> that's the part that's going to expand for sure. So who should absolutely, um, well, let me put it this way. Who are you for and who are you not for? If you were to just sum that up in, in a minute <laughs> or two. <laughs> so I love working with high achieving professionals who are dealing with anxiety, stress, overwhelm, and who want to do something about it, who are ready to explore and be open and curious and learn. And I think that a lot of times we have things going on in our lives. It's crazy. It's busy. And then we aren't willing to actually look at what's going on. We aren't willing to change. We aren't open to coaching and exploring. And so that's probably not going to be the best fit because as a coach, I'm here to be a guide. I'm not here to tell you what to do because everyone has their own gifts to share. And so I'm here to support to create that space and to really help you tap into this potential so that you can be your very best. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that's a good time for us to take, take a little break, take a little water break, if we will. And when we come back from break, Cindy, I want to talk about why it is that most high achievers feel burnt out and why they feel unfulfilled. And of course, I want to talk about your book. So um, yeah, I, I read some episodes excerpts uh, from it and what it's about on your website. And it sounds uh, amazing to be so much better. So um, let's take a little break and we'll be right back. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. 
Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. So I'm here with Dr. Cindy Sai. And Cindy, let's talk about your book, So Much Better. What inspired you to write this book? Sure. So I wrote the book because after working with many clients from different stages of life and different experiences, I realized that I was sharing many of the same tools and techniques and processes. And so it led me to developing the inspiring success story method. And I thought it would be very helpful to organize it in a very concise resource like a book. So that's what led me to writing this bestseller. What is this inspiring success story method? Yes. So it is basically a framework comprising of three pillars to help you become an inspiring success story. And so the three pillars are number one, calm, number two, confidence, and number three, curiosity. And so breaking each of the pillars down, so number one, calm, is about regulating the nervous system so that you can be grounded and secure. And so a lot of times when we are in the process of change or if we have big goals, it can feel scary, right? We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to try something new. And because our brains are wired for survival from a physiological, just like biology evolution perspective, it's constantly looking for threats. And so that's when we get tense, the fight or flight system gets activated and all these things. So the pillar of calm is really teaching people how to be grounded, how to regulate that nervous system so that they don't get amped up, right, in these new foreign situations. And then the second pillar of confidence is about developing a strong sense of self-belief and really unlearning the old programming and rewiring your brain. So we look at old thought patterns and beliefs, and then we actively create new ones that really catapult you to success. And we know that with the research in neuroplasticity, that the brain's nerve cells can make new pathways, can strengthen new thoughts and beliefs. And then in the same vein, we can unlearn our old habits, behaviors, and thoughts and things like that. So it's like building toned arms, right? When you repeat bicep curls. And is that what you talk about when you talk about resetting the brain's default system, if you will, or is that something separate? I think it definitely is more in this pillar when you're looking at mindset and thought work and things like that for confidence, right? Really changing the identity of who you are, who you want to be. That sounds incredibly difficult. I have to be honest with you. It's a I mean, process. It's a process. I mean, most of us are so stuck in our ways and committed to being right about who we are and how we got to being who we are. I mean, you've got to really, really want to create this change for yourself for, for, for you to be able to go through this 
incredibly difficult um, new way of being because it's just as hard to break habits as it is to establish new habits, if you will. So um, yeah, I'm very curious about what that looks like, but talk about the third pillar, curiosity, before we go into that. (laughs) The curiosity pillar focuses on finding creativity, fun, and connecting to your true self and wisdom. So we all have our own gifts to share, but when you're disconnected, it's like you're in a walking in a maze and blindfolded. So you're already lost. And on top of that, you can't see. And it's important to have all three components. And of course, each one on its own is very helpful. But when you have all three together, you really have all pieces of the puzzle so that you can take care of your mind, your body, your spirit, and really take this integrative approach so that you can be connected to who you are and really show up as the best version of you. Yes, that's really important because unfortunately, a lot of us are not showing up as the best version of ourselves and we're letting the stress, the overwhelm, the exhaustion, just the overwork really impact who we are being, how we're being in our relationships. And speaking of high achievers, why do you think high achievers, well, a lot of people, but especially high achievers are feeling burnt out and unfulfilled? Well, I think that when you're a high achiever, there's this sense that you have to keep going and that your worth is tied to accomplishments. Bingo. And Bingo. when you got to say that again, <laughs> your worth is tied, tied to your to accomplishments. Your that that's a golden nugget right there. You know, when you said that, I immediately thought of some clients of mine and that's a hard one to crack, Cindy. It really, really is. And I think it's also how we're raised, how society is, the media, news, culture, traditions, everything, right? All of the conditioning that we've been exposed to up until this point in life. And so it really does take intention and effort to unlearn and undo some of these thought patterns and beliefs, but it absolutely is possible. And so I think that's why, you know, as well as I do coaching and all these other things or methods are so helpful, right? Because it's hard to do it alone. You can read a book, you can listen to a podcast, but it's different when you actually have someone there to observe, to point things out to you, to keep you accountable, to call you out. Yeah. You to know, guide how, you. How my coach <laughs> says it, the pickle inside the jar can't read the label. <laughs> And we are inside of the jar of our conditioning, aren't we? So we need somebody on the outside to read that label to us, let us know um, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, what the ingredients are, if you will, and um, how we can create a new recipe out of that. So um, what is the benefit of doing all of this? So you can feel so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. I think it's interesting to think about it because a lot of times we go through life and we think life is pretty good, right? And 
we almost get into this autopilot where we just keep going and going and we never pause to think about, is this still what I want to do? Am I really happy? Is this fulfilling me? Am I doing it for me? Right? All of these things and questions. And so I think that it does take intention to start on this journey. And it also takes courage to be willing to be vulnerable, to look at, oh my gosh, I, the reason I'm doing this is because this is how my mom always did it. You know, I hear my, this, my third grade teacher's voice in my head. Right? Like you know, you must've been reading my mind because I really wanted to ask you what role does fear play in all this. And then you brought up courage because we do have a fear of what others might think. You know, we do have a fear of letting other people down. We do have a fear of living up to others' expectations, if you will, and the obligations that we have, the fear of taking a stand for for what we want, the fear of not doing enough. There's always that not enoughness. There's so much fear that gets piled on that even the thought of changing is like, well, what is my spouse going to think? What is my boss going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my siblings going to think about it? And there's that fear of judgment. Like we've all known people, I think, that have maybe quit their high paying corporate jobs to weave baskets or whatever, because that makes them happy. And then the <laughs> yeah. judgment that comes down on people who live their, you know, take those bold moves to live their passion or be more fulfilled in life, they get a crap ton of um, judgment <laughs> laid on them for that. So how do we get over the fear of, oh my gosh, what are everybody going to think if I suddenly stop doing things, stop being, you know, doing things differently, if you will, from what I do now? Yes. So I'm glad you brought up the idea of fear because that really is at the core of a lot of this. And that's why I really emphasize starting with the calm pillar, right? In terms of regulating the nervous system and helping to understand where the fear is coming from and also have tools and techniques to help calm, stay calm in the midst of it, right? Because when you're feeling afraid, scared, even though you might not intellectually think that it's subconscious. And so it's about really being able to notice your tendencies, notice your patterns, and then shift out of it, right? Have those relaxation techniques. And something to keep in mind is that fear is not the same as danger. A lot of times, I think we have made the assumption that something fearful is dangerous. And that makes us not want to do things because we're like, oh my gosh, this is threatening to us. And, you know, who knows what could happen? Well, but, you can have that with a spouse. I'll have to say like, oh my God, what is my spouse going to say if I suddenly quit my six-figure job to go, you know, climb a mountain somewhere in Timbuktu or whatever it looks like. I mean, mm -hmm. some of these, you know, you brought up a very important point that we've got to be aware of what the fear is. 
you know, I think that's the first step, the awareness into, into the healing, into the overcoming, into the transformation, whatever semantics you want to use for that, but really getting clear of what am I afraid of? You know, I have clients who are afraid of going fully out on their own as an entrepreneurship because they love the structure, literally the structure of a nine to five job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they love that constraint. They love the boundaries that they're in, even though they don't like how it feels because they, you know, they can't take time off whenever they want to. And, you know, all of the constrictions of having a job, but that makes them feel safe and being out on their own and being successful on their own without those boundaries set up by other people scare them. Yeah. So they have a foot in both worlds. And that's where the stress and the overwhelm and the burnout and the exhaustion come from because they can't give up the one that has like the, the golden handcuffs, if you will, on them yeah. to really do what I know in my heart they'll be really successful at because they're afraid of losing the structure. And that was an important um, awareness that we came through in one of our coaching sessions because we couldn't figure out why can't I leave my job? Well, you know, what, what is holding me to it? But it was the safety of the structure. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you work with your clients in helping them discover what that fear is so that they can develop more courage? So I think it's important to create a container of safety to explore. And when I talk about curiosity, that's really what we're getting at, right? Being open, reflective, and taking that observer perspective. Because a lot of times when we start looking at these things, all of the judgment, the shame, the guilt, that all comes up. And then when it comes up, very hard to go deeper. And so I talk about being curious, knowing that there's no wrong answer. This is a safe space to explore and to be curious and also bring in the idea of self-compassion really learning to be kind to yourself, right? To know that we're all human. We all go through things and it's learning to take care of yourself and to honor your needs and to know that everyone's on their own journey. And I'm glad you brought up the example about the idea of structure creating safety. I think one of the most powerful tools and techniques is learning that we don't have to be limited by our circumstances and situation. And oftentimes we give so much power away to that in terms of external accomplishments, awards, money, all these things, which we really have no control over. But it gives us the illusion of control, <laughs> which I like we that. like. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, it really does take courage to be open to look at this, this work and to, to see that things can get better. And I think the reason oftentimes people come to this when they've really, really had enough, you know, it's like, if it's not too bad... I think a lot of people will just like keep going, right? Yeah, they'll write and, it out. They'll write it out. 
And then it's like when they finally burn out, they're like, oh my gosh, something needs to change. <laughs> and then they're super motivated to do everything. Yeah, it's it's really, you know, what is it? Closing the barn door after the horse has escaped or, or whatever. And, you know, and a lot of... A lot of times I know for me, you know, my burnout and overwhelmed really threatened my relationship and we were really snippy with each other and I was resentful and disappointed and he was avoiding me, you know, all of these things because I was working full time and, and building my business at the same time. So there was no time for fun. And we, we need to talk about, you know, really having fun and enjoying what we're doing, even though we're getting the salary or whatever, and the accolades and the, you know, the recognition and the acknowledgement, you know, how much, and you said this before, how much are we really enjoying what we're doing? Yes. And I think a lot of times we don't even pay attention to that. Right. And my, I start my book by asking, how would you rate your life on a scale of one to 10? And most people, especially those who have done some work in self-development would probably say maybe a seven, right? I think they're pretty good. Like nobody wants to say a 10, nobody wants to say a one. (laughs) (laughs) And so let's say it's a seven or an eight. And so instead of thinking it you have three more levels to go. What if your seven was actually only a two and you actually, your life could be eight levels better instead of just three levels better. Mm. And so knowing that it's not like something's wrong right now. And I think it's actually even better to be able to do this work when you're not in crisis because you have so much more bandwidth yes. and resources and support. Yes, you're, you're not in, in desperation mode and you can really take your time and do it right. Wow, that, that was a lot. Let's take a little short break. <laughs> Let's hydrate ourselves. And when we come back, I want to talk about how we can better handle stress with Dr. Cindy Sai. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. 
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. All right. We are back again with Dr. Cindy Sai, best-selling author, mindfulness teacher, speaker, and life coach, who is committed to helping high achievers live their best life with ease. And I love that phrase with ease because just this afternoon uh, in my afternoon meditation, I was meditating about ease, ease, because I've been on vacation for six weeks, sort of kind of vacation, but away. And re-entry sometimes can really be rough to where you need another week off just to catch up on the six weeks you had off. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this with ease. It doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. So when we talk about stress, it is unavoidable. I mean, things are can be stressful, are stressful, but they don't have to stress us out, if you will. How, what can we do to handle stress better so that it doesn't take us out and bring us into overwhelm and exhaustion and moodiness and crankiness and uh, <laughs> all of that stuff? <laughs> Great question. So I like to remind people that stress in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's only when the stress is chronic that can lead to detrimental effects like inflammation, chronic diseases, hormonal changes, chronic pain, all the various health issues. And so it is helpful to pay attention to how you're doing so that you can keep track. And that's why it is so important to have good self-care practices throughout so that you're constantly recharging, re-energizing, and filling your gas tank up, right? So you're never going to be running on empty because that's the surest way to burn out. You know, it's funny. I always use um, the pit stop analogy in a lot of my talks because, you know, you see these cars are racing really, really fast at dangerously high speeds, you know, and they have this goal. They want to finish the race, hopefully win it, right? Without crashing and burning. And I remember when I used to, you know, I never really was a race fan, but I saw them here and there. And I never understood why the lead car would stop for a pit stop when nothing was wrong with the car. Yeah. But they know that taking a pit stop is necessary so that they can continue to race at peak or high performance, if you will, without breaking down. Now, if only we could do that for our lives, right? Learn how to take these periodic breaks. It's a lot of what I teach my clients as well, so that we don't break down, so that we maintain and sustain and have high energy throughout the day. Because these cars, they don't wait till they're out of gas before they stop. They don't wait till there's something wrong with the engine. They change the tires. They're not flat, right? They do all of that so they can keep going at peak performance. We don't do that for our bodies. No, <laughs> we don't. And that's but why imagine I think- how much farther we can go 
if we did. Exactly. And I think that's why these conversations are so important and necessary. We need to normalize the importance of self-care, the importance of wellness practices, and really personalizing it. I think a lot of times when we talk about self-care, there's this tendency to jump to spa days, massages, and things like that. And yes, that can absolutely be helpful, but you don't have to go book this 10-day silent retreat on a (laughs) mountaintop to take care of yourself, right? It's like the little things that count, keeping it simple so that you're fueled throughout your day so that you can really feel and be your best. So what are your favorite self-care practices or one trick you can teach us to boost our well-being? Like what what do you have in your arsenal, your your toolbox, if you will? Yes, I love taking breaths throughout the day. So simple breathing techniques. Uh, One of my favorites is called the cleansing breath, where you literally take an inhale through the nose and then you exhale through an open mouth. (sighs) releasing, letting all the stress and tension go. And just taking a few more at your own pace, like with every inhale, feeling your chest expand. And with every exhale, feeling a little bit lighter as you release anything that's not serving you. And so throughout the day, I try to remind myself to take these breaths in between meetings, during a meeting, all these different things, right? And so it's a practice and skill that gets easier the more you do it. And of course, for people who like, if they have a really busy mind and they want to focus on something, there are also other breathing techniques like four, seven, eight, where you inhale for a count of four, hold your breath for a count of seven, and then exhale for a count of eight. And so there are many different techniques that can help So that requires some concentration. Mm-hmm. So that your mind can't be spinning he, out. Exactly. The squirrels have to stop and pay attention yes. for a second and start counting actually, right? <laughs> yes. It's actually a really helpful technique to help with sleep because you're focused on the counting instead of running through your day or your to-do list for tomorrow, right? So it's just different ways of being present so that you can get back into your body because the mind and the body are not separate. That's going to be helpful with my jet lag. Thank you so much. (laughs) I had to write that one down. Yeah. (laughs) Cause the mind, like when you come back from vacation, you know, we all have this, the to-do list that we're thinking about constantly. Like, I don't want to remember, I don't want to forget to do this. And yeah, I have to do that. And I have to call this person and you know, all of that stuff. I mean, fortunately I have a book where I do a brain dump Yes. And it's all, it's all out of my brain, but my brain just does not want to shut up. So I, I can't wait well, to try this. <laughs> I think it's also important to share this idea. You mentioned meditation and meditation is a really great tool and technique and practice to help with anxiety and being calm. And I have a lot of clients who come to me feeling very anxious and overwhelmed. And they're like, I can't meditate. meditate. That's not for me. Right. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I know. That that (laughs) used to be me. That used to be me. I can't do that. I cannot. I'm going to go over my shopping list or whatever. There's no way my mind is going to shut up. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's very common, especially among the high achievers, the perfectionists, all these um, people who, who we work with. And I like to bring up the idea that meditation is not about not having thoughts, right? Because our brain, if you're alive, you're going to have thoughts. That's yeah. actually a good yeah. thing that you're alive, right? Your brain's working. Yeah. And I think we have this misconception that meditation means emptying it out your mind and having exactly. nothing in there. And that changed it for me. I read a book. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. It was Emily Fletcher's book, uh-huh. Stress Less, Accomplish More. Mm. And that was the first book that gave me permission to meditate and still have my thoughts and yes. notice my thoughts and recognize my thoughts. And it didn't make me wrong for having them when I was trying to meditate. So yeah. once I did that, once I learned that, I had such more ease and flow and compassion for myself and my meditation style to yes. where at one point, you know, it got there, the chatter was less and less, and I could focus on a word or a mantra or something to just keep my mind busy with something else other than the grocery list or whatever. So. And yeah, I like that's to a beautiful say, permission to give people. Yes. And I like to say that think of thoughts like clouds in the sky. You know, how thought, how clouds are just there, right? They'll drift in, drift out, and you just let them be there. So same thing. Yeah. You will have thoughts in your brain. They can come and go, but you can be an observer. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to believe it doesn't mean that it's true. <laughs> well, that's a writer downer for sure. Um, you know, before the, the show ends, you had talked a little bit earlier, let me just check my notes, about the confidence piece. How did you develop your confidence? Well, it's a process and it's constantly evolving. And I think as you continue to grow and become this next version of yourself, different things are going to come up. It's like, oh my gosh, I thought I dealt with that. Or, you know, and it just, it's, it's ongoing. It, it never ends. And I think that's the beauty of it because being a lifelong learner, I really want to learn and evolve and become the best version I can be. And so I think it's about having support, having resources, and really developing that sense of self-compassion for yourself and giving yourself permission to craft out who you want to be. What does confidence look like to you, right? Everybody is different. For some people, it's going to be standing up on stage, but there are plenty of very confident people who are not motivational speakers. And so it's really about, I think, coming back to yourself and giving yourself permission to explore, being curious, right? And knowing that you make it your own, you get to choose, and it's not one size fits all. And also, it's going to continue to change. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's so many people, you know, I hear about confidence coaches and, you know, I don't know if confidence is something you can teach. It's, 
you know, it sounds to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's something that you develop as you do the work of personal development and you become, like you say, more kind, more compassionate and more forgiving of yourself so that you can be that way for other people too. And that gives you, that's my, my unprofessional version of, of having some confidence. I also think it's about really connecting to yourself and having your own back and trusting that you can handle whatever comes your way. Beautifully said. So with everything you do, what matters most to you? Real quick before we close. (laughs) So I really am so grateful to be able to share all of my resources and guidance to support others on their journey. Mm -hmm. And I think back to years ago when I didn't have all these tools and resources and I was, it was really challenging. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that there are there's so much information now, even though sometimes it can be overwhelming. (laughs) Information overload, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that if you're willing and open, there are so many ways you don't, for the longest time, I would be feeling like I was stuck. Like even though things look good on the surface, I wasn't fully happy or fulfilled. And I know a lot of people who feel that way. And I really want them to know that it doesn't have to be like that. You know, like, there's so much more in life and, you know, it's an invitation to explore and be open. So how can folks get in touch with you, Cindy? Yes, they can reach me through social media. I'm on the major, the various platforms at Cindy Sci MD, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and they can go to my website, cindycymd.com and feel free to check out my book. It's called So Much Better. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. And I do have a free resource if anyone's interested, if they're they're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and they want some quick tips to manage that. I have a guide. It's called the create your own calm guide where I provide three ways to manage overwhelm now. So you can get that on my website by visiting cindycymd.com forward slash calm, C-A-L-M. I'm going to be checking that out for sure. So Cindy, thank you for the work that you do and for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, So appreciate uh, your gifts and your mission to share your gifts with the world. And I want to thank our listeners for choosing to listen to us today. I'm really grateful for all of you. And hopefully you're finding something for yourselves on this show that you can take to be a better version of yourself, if you will. And I hope you find the time to join us again next week at the same time, same station or on demand. So as usual, I want to give you a quote to end your day. Now, this quote is from the book, uh, The Power of One More. Stop wasting time and start bending time to your advantage to get on with the important things in your life. So until next time. Bye for now, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week. 